How was one of the world's most influential shoe designers inspired by a building's unique architecture to bring us the Nike Air Max Ones? Well, let's talk about it. Welcome to Design Dive, the podcast that explores design that's all around us every Wednesday in just 10 to 15 minutes so you can get on with your day. My name's Chris Downs, and whether you're a designer or just simply curious about how design impacts our everyday life, you're in the right place. So let's dive in. For today's episode, we will be talking about the design of the Nike Air Max Ones. Now, If you can't picture the shoe, I invite you to look it up, either look at the thumbnail of this podcast or just online is good enough, but truly this shoe is one that defined an era. And if you made a list of all the shoes that were influential in history, the Nike Air Max One would be on that list. 1987 was a good year for a lot of things. Michael Jackson just came out with a single called Bad. The TV show Full House first aired. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys were all the rage, and the movie Princess Bride came out. The Air Max One went down in history as being a shoe that was pivotal and innovative in its design and really elevated the brand when they needed it most. They were struggling tremendously and they needed this shoe to really bolster them and put them in a position to set themselves up for the future. Now it all started with a designer by the name of Tinker Hatfield. He is a very popular name amongst shoe designers, but he at the time was a corporate architect. Now in 1981, he was hired by Nike to mainly design their buildings for their campus in Oregon. He would design office structures and other spaces around campus, and they did look really good. But four years later, he would then be hired to design a shoe. Now, this wasn't formal. This was just on request, and he would put his architectural skills to the test. Now, it seems kind of strange. Well, Why is an architect designing a shoe? That's a great question. It really was just kind of a passion project really for him. It wasn't his main line of work. Let's paint the picture of where Nike is at at this time. The 1980s started really well for Nike. At the time, they had acquired 50% market share in the US athletic shoe market. They dominated that space and they have several years experience in that so it makes sense and they were very successful in branding and they just were known to be a great shoe but they were on track to becoming a one billion dollar company so what went wrong well midway through the decade competition started creeping up on them and they were on the verge of collapse now what was the competition doing that they weren't The competition was introducing bright colors, daring patterns, and bold neons that really spoke to that era. 
Nike had just plain old white shoes with a red Nike logo, nothing too fancy. But people wanted something different, something new, something fresh. So Nike needed something more eye-catching to put out on the market. Now, the Nike Air Max 1s were known for having literal air pockets in the heel of the shoe. And that was, most people think that was the introduction of this, but it wasn't. Nike's air technology wasn't really new at the time. It, It had already existed in their shoes. It was developed by former NASA engineer Frank Rudy and was first introduced in the Nike Air Tailwind shoe in 1978. Now, the concept of this Air was to replace traditional molded EVA shoes with gas-filled urethane pouches. Essentially, it would provide support in a different way in an athletic shoe that would appeal to maybe a slightly different audience. Now, at the time... Everyone who had worked on this shoe in 78 agreed that those air pouches should be contained inside the shoe and not seen. Now, I'll talk about that visibility of that air pouch in a moment. That's a signature look for the Nike Air Max. So let's go back to talking about Tinker Hatfield. As he started working on this shoe, he saw the importance of risk-taking while on a trip to Paris, and was at a building called the Pompidou Center, which at the time was a very controversial building in the architecture world. Many people called it an eyesore, but it's still there today. Why is it an eyesore? Well, the building design is completely reversed on the inside out. The designers of the structure took functional and structural elements and they place them on the outside for everyone to see so you can see air ducts escalators bracing everything visible on the outside it did not shy away from that and to Hatfield he said in his own words I don't know if I was thinking well now I'm going to design a shoe based off this I just remember being super influenced by it and having my architecture senses turned upside down Now, this is so interesting because to him, it's triggering in his mind as an architect, mind you, he was thinking about how revolutionary something like that was, rebellious, that these designers were trying something totally new and it got everyone talking. Now, when it came to designing the shoe, he said, I thought, let's make the bag a little bit wider, talking about the airbag. Make sure it's stable, but then let's go ahead and remove part of the midsole so that we can actually see it. So now we start to see the inspiration of this building he saw and having these components on the outside to how does that translate to this shoe? Maybe this air pocket is visible to people. We're not hiding it inside the shoe, but we're actually making it completely visible and out in the open. So what was Nike's thoughts about this design? Well, Nike had been trying to make its air technology smaller. They thought that because of the limited space of the shoe, they needed to find a way to condense that technology while still making it effective. Now, Nike, when they saw this design that Hatfield came up with, they feared that it would be structurally weak and you'd be able to easily puncture that 
air pocket that was placed inside the shoe. Now, Hatfield said in his own words, quote, it was widely discussed that I had pushed it too far. People were trying to get us fired. So obviously, this was a very controversial design, but what actually got it over the finish line? Well, Hatfield had the confidence to challenge this opposition. He had support from David Forland, Nike's director of cushioning innovation. If I had that as a job title, that would be something else. But because he had David backing him up, they were able to get that across the finish line and get some buy-in by the company. Now, the Air Max 1 was finally released on March 26th, 1987, and it was featured in Nike's first television ad that same year. Now, what happened with this? Well, the innovation led to a sneaker series that is still going strong 30 years later. It was a wide success. People flocked to the shoe and they loved seeing something different, something new. Today, we see many collabs out there, many people getting together with Nike to do, do their own take on the shoe. And even since 2014, Nike has called March 26th Air Max Day. This day, they drop new Air Max shoes, they have sales on the shoe, and people showing off their shoes on social media. It, it's a big deal. So go ahead and add that on your calendar for March 26th. But let's go ahead and talk about some takeaways here. What do we learn from this? Now, sometimes taking risks leads to the best reward. We saw with Hatfield that he looked at this strange building, the Pompidou Center, and was just intrigued by it, that it was so odd yet fascinating to look at, and he translated that same principle into his shoe. But with those risks come opposition, as we learn. Opposition exists, and there's a lot of grayed out ideas that are out there that are being stopped by some sort of doubt, some sort of, you know, whatever it is. Sometimes there needs to be a support system to help get that across the finish line. And if you're not sure how a design should be changed in that instance, maybe turn it inside out like the Nike Air Max 1. And that's our dive. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow the channel, leave a rating or review, and follow this podcast on social media for updates on new episodes every week. But until next time, keep learning, stay inspired, and remember, design is all around us. See ya.